Uh, so we'll be in Matthew 13. We'll be in 24 through 30 and uh, 36 and 43. And so I was singing back to one of the songs I played earlier. So uh, the last one I played, uh, What a Beautiful Name It Is. So my favorite part of that song is uh, my sin was great, but his love was greater. Amen. I think his love was so great that he would go to the cross for us and die for our sins. Amen. That's right. And it's one of those things, it's just so unbelievable that he would do that for us. That's how much he loved us. And so Matthew 13, 24 starts out. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the house, householder, came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? For whence then have it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay. Lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. And so now going down the 36. Then Jesus sent the multitude away, and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore... The tares are gathered and burned in the fire. So shall it be in the end of, the, of this world. The Son of Man sh shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who have ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, now I'm going to go to prayer. So God be with me tonight, Lord. Uh, get me out of the way, Lord. Let me do what you have planned for, You have planned and what you've placed on my heart, Lord. Have me preach the scriptures according to your word, word and do it all, Lord. And help me take none of the glory for what you do tonight or what impact this has, Lord, because it's all you. And I thank you for what you're going to do with this, Lord. And just help me out tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, so we find out a little bit of a, a quick introduction. So Matthew 13, 1, 2, uh, it tells us, so basically, uh, so Jesus, this, the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside and great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. He spake many things unto them in parables. So... Basically, Jesus Christ...
comes out and basically a multitude gathers around. So he goes out, he goes out into the ship and he sits right there in the ship and the multitude is standing in the shore. He's probably close to the shore, a little bit into the water. And he is, and that's when he basically, he stood on, so let me see. And he was sitting on the ship and that's when he started basically uh, preaching to him and sharing all these parables. And so if you read all the parables before, uh, all these parables are basically talking about the kingdom of heaven and the mysteries about it. Because there was many mysteries about it because, uh, so essentially man had their own perception or their own idea of what it was going to be. And Christ was making it clear of actually what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And basically this whole chapter is dedicated to many sayings about the kingdom of heaven. And so the one we're going to look at tonight is the parable of the wheat and the tares or the good seed and the tares. Since Christ describes them as wheat and good seed, so that was, that was some interesting I took out when I was studying this passage. And so, and I'm thankful that God wanted to reveal this mystery to us. He didn't have to reveal it, but he chose to reveal it and show us what the kingdom of heaven actually looks like. And I'm glad that he removes our expectations and our idea of it. And he tells us the truth about it, straight up what it's actually going to be. And so, and so I'm going to focus on this parable because this is the one that God spoke to me about and made me feel this is the one that I should go to. And so the first thing I want to point out would be in verse 36, when the disciples come up to him and basically told him, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. So the disciples came up and asked Christ for understanding for what they just heard because they understood it not. And so quickly, I'm going to look at Matthew 13, 10, where basically, so, and the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, because it, it is given unto you that know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever have enough not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. So basically, uh, so the top part, so Christ is basically speaking into them in mysteries, and that's how he chooses to. And so these things were very difficult to understand because, because usually, because Christ had, his ways are so much higher that it's hard for us to be able to understand it. And so these disciples go straight up to Jesus Christ and ask for understanding. And that's, first of all, that's what we need to do when we get in a confusing spot in the Bible, that we need to go straight and ask God in prayer for understanding for what we're trying to read. And he will, he will answer us in his time. And the time he chose for the disciples was directly right then. That was his, he had a quick response because 37 tells us that he answered and said unto him. So that was his quick response that he gave to him. And he was gonna, he made it known unto him what the parable was about. And he gave them exactly what they needed to understand it. And so, and so, yeah. 
And then, so basically, so now starting out with the parable. So, so he tells us that the good, so the, the good seed is sowed by the son of man and the son of man is Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ is the one that sowed the seed. And so he put all the good seed and the field represents the world. And so the world at one time was, there was no tares in it. And since tares represent wickedness here and represent the children or rep represent the children of the kingdom of the wicked one. And so these are the children of the wicked one. And so at one time there was no sin on this earth. And so that's the reason why the good seed came in first, because there was no sin at the time. So it was just a field with, filled with good seed. And so then sin entered in. And so, so sin, when sin entered in, when, Adam and, uh, when Eve ate of the apple and gave it to Adam, that created sin. And then so because of that sin, it created it created so it created sin in the world it created sin so it created sin in the world and so now there was now there was going to be wickedness and there's righteousness so there's so there's the two kingdoms now because now sin has divided and sin has got them cast out of eden that's what's going to happen to them and so he also describes the, so he describes the uh, sower. He calls it first, so he calls it the devil. And then he also describes the tares as the children of the wicked one. And he said the enemy that sowed them was the devil. So he's also describing the devil as the wicked one. Because yeah. the children, so their father is the devil. And that's the wicked one. That's what he is describing them as. And so... So then he decides to, uh, so when the wheat started to come up, there was, then the tares appeared with it. And so, and the one thing is he chose here to not, instead of rooting up, the the tares at this time when they first appeared he said ye root up also the wheat uh don't wait a while and then root up them together because he when the tares would get rooted up he said he did not want the wheat rooted up with them and and the other thing i want to point out here is that he already knew that an enemy had done this so he already knew what the devil was going to do when the devil uh, corrupted this world with sin. So he already knew because think about it in this parable, he knew exactly. He knew the enemy that did it. He said an enemy have done this. And so he already knew. So when sin entered in and with Adam and Eve into the Garden of Eden, God already knew because God knew why they were hiding because of what they did. He already knew that all along. And so, therefore, 
that. So therefore, since he already knew, therefore, since he already knew what they did, he already knew that there was going to be a need for a savior. And so, and so when, and so in 26, so, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So these, so these good seed and these wheat brought forth fruit in their life. They were bringing forth fruit. So the wheat was bringing forth its grain. And it was, so it was, it was having a godly, it was living a godly life because when we are coated with God's righteousness, since we have believed in him, that we start growing in the, if we start growing in the Lord, we will bring forth fruit. That's right. And so, and the thing is, so basically once the wheat gets siphed up in the judgment, in the last in the final judgment on the white throne then it will so then it will gather into his barn which is the representation of heaven here and the and the new earth and the new heaven and so and think about it all basically after we get saved all the stuff we have done on earth, we'll, we will be testifying to. That would be the fruit that we have brought forth. What have we done for the Lord with the time he's given us on this earth? And so we're going to have that, and that's what God's going to give us judgment about. What did we do during our time? Did we live according to how we're supposed to? And did we do what God wanted us to do? And... Then also, so, and then one of the questions I had while I was reading this, why didn't he just root up the tares and, at, all at once? Why didn't he just root out all the bad seed or all the, all the weeds, all the tares, and just leave the good seed there? But God chose not to do that. And he didn't choose... When man sinned against, when men sinned against him, he did not choose to just destroy it and start new. That's right. He chose to bring them a savior because he loved us so much. Amen. He brought us Christ to die for our sins. And so, basically, the other thing he tells us is that in forty one, he tells us that the Son of Man shall send forth his angels, his angels are the reapers, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. So, in the kingdom of heaven, it's telling us there's no and sin in heaven. There's no iniquity. Right. And so the other question that I want to pose tonight is what offends God? We can find that out in Genesis 3. Genesis 3, because Eden was the beautiful garden, the perfect garden with the tree of life. And so, and it, after, after sin entered in, it became hidden, and God did not want anyone to ever find that again. And so, 
he, uh, so in Genesis 3, so Genesis, so I'm going to start off 217, the commandment he gave to them to follow. So, but of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil, of the, tr the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And then jumping to Genesis 3.20 3.23, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Because sin has entered in, they were taken out of the Garden, garden of Eden. They were taken away from the tree of life, which would allow them to live forever. Because since sin, he said, basically, if you're going to choose to eat of it, you're going to have death. And Romans 6.23, for, uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it tells us, because we have sin, our punishment is death. And so as he sent them away to basically to die from the Garden of Eden because of, their, because of what they did in the garden when they ate of the apple as the Lord commanded them not to. And so basically, just like the kingdom of heaven, sin will not be tolerated. That's what offends God. Because he wouldn't have cast them away if they didn't sin. They would have stayed in the Garden of Eden if they never sinned. But since sin offends God, that's what's not going to be in the kingdom. That will be cast out. The tares, as he said, will be binded up and thrown into the fire. And so Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so also the other question I want to pose tonight so since Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there's no, none righteous, no, not one. So who is the righteous if there is none? Because he describes his children as righteous. Because he said, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. And then in 40, 43, he says, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. So that good seed he describes as righteous. So, as it says in Romans 3.10, how, how would this work? And so, basically, the answer is found in John 8.23-29. through 29. And so, I'm going to pull over there real quick. And so, he said, And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto them, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto, him, unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. 
Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then ye shall know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. So, we know, so Romans 3.10 is talking about man. Because man, because of Adam and Eve's sin, we have all sinned. So we cannot sin. So, so we all sin, and basically none of us can be righteous. But because of God, who sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, and so since he was from above, and he was from heaven, he was righteous. Because God is holy, so is Christ. So God, so Jesus Christ was righteous there. And so, he was, since he was not of the world and, and uh, put with sin, so he told them simply, if you believe not, you're going to die in your sins. And that's punishment is going to be the, where the wailing is and the gnashing of teeth, which is in the fiery, what he says is the fiery furnace, which in the final, in the white throne judgment, they will all be cast into the lake of fire. And so that's where they're going to go. And so he was telling them, ye believe on me. Or you will, if you believe on me, that's what Christ says, ye, ye shall have eternal life. That's what, if they believe on Christ, they shall have eternal life. And so he told them that I have many things to say and to judge of you. And then he tells them that God is true. And then also, he proceeds to tell them, he's telling them the stuff that God, he heard from God, and what, he, and what God wanted him to do. And then, so then also, he tells them that, so lifted up means when he has died on the cross. So when Christ has died on the cross and rose again, they shall know that he is the Messiah, that uh, they've been talking about. Because that's what he means by I am he. That he was talking about the being the Messiah. That's what he was telling them. And, and the thing is, he was, Christ was a humble servant, as you can tell. Because he did what the Father commanded him. He obeyed it exactly. And he said, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me. So he was completely obedient. He did nothing of himself. So he had no desire except to serve God with all his heart and serve God with all his desire. And since we are children of the kingdom and we are to be witnesses and showing forth our seed to others, we need to be witnesses of Christ and we need to have that same humbleness and we need to have that same we need to have that same exact desire of from the heart to obey God and have it in all obedience. And so the other thing in 29 is that he says, the father have not left me alone. So the father didn't leave. The father is going to be with us as we walk with God, as we face trials, tribulations, persecutions for following him. Because the Bible does say, all them that live a godly life 
will face persecution. The Bible tells us that plainly. And so we will face hardships just because we claim the name of Christ. He straight up tells us that. And if we aren't, we better be checking. Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing for the Lord? That's a quick checkpoint right there to see if we're actually growing with the Lord and developing in a relationship with him. And so, and so he always, and then he says, for I do always those things that please him. So Christ was, his whole entire life was dedicated and always pleasing God. And that's what God wants us to do. I mean, we're going to fall short. We're going to, there's going to be times where we don't please him in sin because we have sin nature. Christ didn't have that. And that's the reason why he was able to be perfect and without blemish and take the cross and take the cross and die for our sins. As he endured the cross and despised the shame, because that's what Hebrews 12 tells us. And then next, he's going to be on the right. Because of those things, he is on the right hand of the throne of God. So we know that he lived. He made it. After the cross, he rose again. That's basically Hebrews is telling us that. And so when because the cross, when he took all that shame, he despised it all, but he endured it and took sin for us. He who knew no sin took all sin of all the sin of the world, and he died for us. And so, I want to go back to Matthew, back to Matthew 13, where he, uh, so think about it. So he calls, so he says that we are the ones who believe on Christ are the good seed. And so the good seed, he, com- he calls it we, and he calls it we in 25 when the, uh, while the men slept. So he describes it as we. And the thing is, we is basically a line. There's basically a line and there's a bunch of grain on the side. And so basically all that grain is getting put into the barn. And so the Bible says, so when Paul, when he was talking about basically witnessing the people, he was talking about planting the seed and he was planting seeds into their heart. And so God wants us to be the same way. God wants us to plant those little grain seeds and the other people and be a witness around. Amen. So there, so, so there's more wheat getting sowed because, because the one thing is, so we, so basically we know plants can basically seed themselves and they can gr- keep growing and grow multiple generations. And so when the, so when he sowed the wheat, so basically the wheat needs to keep spreading and the kingdom needs to keep growing because God will give the increase and God will give the growth and God will give the water and God will allow those seeds to be planted in people's lives. So we need to be taking every opportunity we get to plant seeds in people's life. We need to have those opportunities to witness the people in our life. And so as I was thinking about that, so my friend I've been talking to a lot and I've been asking prayer for a lot. So we've had a few of those conversations about it. And so I know, I know where his heart's at. His heart, I would say, is close. He's getting close, but he's not there yet. And so he's definitely going to need a lot more prayer. 
and I really want the church to pray for him. And so he can become as the good seed. And once he professes Christ as Savior, that's what will happen. And believe that he died for his sins and rose again. And so, so, uh, so basically, he's been, I would say he's been really interested because usually you don't, I wouldn't, I would say usually when you say you can't go, you don't really offer to go again, or you don't really just make the suggestion that, oh yeah, I want to go this on a Sunday, where I've never brought up one thing about taking him on a Sunday. I will do it, but he never brought it up once about going on a Sunday. So that means he, I believe he has some sort of interest in going to church and learning something. I don't, I don't really understand why he's been going, but... Since we've been talking a little bit, I think he's more just interested in learning a little bit, I think. And, but just pray for him. So, so back from basically my side distraction. And so, and so I was, so basically, so if we believe on Christ, it basically in Second Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. And so basically he has now basically took, he's basically took all our sin away. So, and then, so now on to the next point, which would be, and so this is, so when I was talking to the pastor on the uh, ride to Rosedale, so I told him I was going to be in Psalms 107. And so God kind of changed that and kind of used that as the closer or the last point. And so now uh, I'm just going to pick the, uh, I believe the first two verses of Psalms 107 and the last verse, or maybe the last two, something close to that. And so, Okay. So it's going to be Psalms 107, 1 through 2, and then 43, I believe. Yep. And so, uh, so it starts out, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endure forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And so, so basically, first thing, he says, give thanks to God, for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy is always on us while we're on this earth. He is forever there. His mercies are new every day. That's what the Bible describes his mercies as. So his mercies are always there for us. So we need to give thanks for God for that and his goodness to us. And the fact, so going back to my point earlier about how he did not destroy the tares. He, he said at the judgment time is when the tares will be removed. Because think about it. He cared so much about the wheat. He didn't want the wheat to get pulled out. He said if a, he didn't want a wheat to go. So that's why he said we're going to pull them out at the same time. So a wheat does not accidentally get pulled out. And so he loved us that much that he didn't want one wheat accidentally going. Anyone who believes on him, he said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he wanted all the wheat. That's why he waited. Because he wants, that's the reason why he waited and just didn't destroy the tares. Because if a weed accidentally went, 
if a weed accidentally went, he did not want that. He said, that's not what's going to happen. So he made his time of the final judgment. And so he said, then the reapers, which are the angels, shall divide. And so the righteous shall be in the kingdom of heaven and the tares shall be in the, the lake of fire and brimstone. And so now on the verse two. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So, so think about it. The redeemed of the Lord, those who are redeemed are the born again Christians. The ones who have accepted Christ as their savior and repented. That's the redeemed of the Lord. And think about it. The redeemed of the Lord are the ones telling about the mercy and the goodness of God. They're the ones saying so. So we need that to have that in our life. We need to be saying so and telling people about how merciful God is to us and how good God is to us in our life. And so, and then whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So the devil, who is our enemy, the adversary, once we have became part of the kingdom of God, who once was our father, he has now taken us away from that enemy because basically in, in John chapter, in the chapter, let me see, make sure, make sure I get the right chapter. So in John, I can't find it. So in, I believe that was John chapter eight, if I'm correct. So later down in the chapter, he tells them that the devil is the father of liars because he was the one who lied in the garden of Eden. So he got called the father of liars. So think about it. The devil who's our father has been lying to us the whole entire time. He's a liar. He doesn't want people to go to the Lord. He doesn't want people to accept him as savior. And so he's been our enemy the whole entire time who, who was a fake father to us while the Lord has been a real father to us. And he has been real to us the whole entire time. God will never leave nor forsake us. That's what the Bible says. And so since he will never leave nor forsake us in our life, he's a real father. He's a real carer about us. And so now on the 43, whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. So this whole entire chapter has many, like, I would say, subtopics talking about how loving kindness, how merciful and how good God is. So this whole, this whole entire chapter is dedicated about how the Lord have heard their cry, how they have turned from their way and they have repented for it. And, they've, and they cried unto the Lord and the Lord has heard their cry. This is what that chapter is dedicated about. And so he's saying, whoever reads this, whoso is wise and will observe these things. So whoever takes this and reads this chapter and observes it and sees it all, even they shall understand. They shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. They will understand how loving he is to us and how kind he has been to us. Even though we were sinners, we did not deserve his grace. But he loved it for God to love the world that he gave his only begotten son for whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what the Bible says. So he loved us so much 
that he gave us grace and mercy. Yeah. He, he was good to us, and he gave us loving kindness. And so, in closing tonight, so, so I'm going to, I'm not going to follow my notes right here. So, I'm going to go the First uh, John 1. So, I basically have been memorizing some parts of the chapter. I'm not very far into it, so I'm just going to do the first three. And so, it says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. That ye may also, ye also may have fellowship of us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things be right unto you, that your joy may be full. Amen. Amen. <laughs> this then is what we have heard of him. Oh, this, this then is the message which we have heard of him. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And so that's all I got to. And so as I started stumbling at the end, you could probably tell. And so think about it. God is light. There's no darkness in him. He is pure. And also, chapter, so verse 3. So I was thinking about this. And so they basically um, are telling them about Christ and witnessing to him so that they can fellowship with them. And think about it. What is our fellowship truly in? Our fellowship is in Jesus Christ. Right. Our fellowship is in God the Father. That's what he's telling them right there. He's telling them that's what, this is what it's all about. Our lives, once we have accepted Christ as our Savior, we need to be serving him and fellowshipping Amen. together with like brethren in the name of the Lord and then in the name of Jesus Christ and the name of God the Father. That is what he's telling them. We need to be giving praise to him. We need to be worshiping him. And, and that's what he commands us to do with our lives and be witnesses to everyone around us. And so that's my last point tonight. And so, so I'll let the pastor take the rest from here. Yeah. Bless you, brother. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about in Matthew 13, right before that parable, uh, starts, you know, he's, you kind of hit on it a little bit, Bob, talking about how we need to spread seed ourselves. You know, we need to tell people about Jesus Christ. And uh, Matthew 13, 23 is one that always gets me whenever I read it. But he that receives seed under the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, and which also beareth through fruit and bringeth fruit some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. You know, in this life, they talk about investments. You know, I got a business degree first. They talk about the return on investment and everything else, and it's percentages. You know, like a hey, 5 to 10% is, is good. Anything, even 15 would be amazing, you know, and that's just a percentage increase. And then, you know, you think about doubling. Wouldn't that be great? The lowest he has here is 30-fold. The lowest. 
or 60 or a hundredfold. And you know, when I, when I sat and thought about that one time, I thought, you know what? Our God is not the God of percentages. He's the God of multiplication and big multiplication here. It's exponential growth. And I thought, you know what? If we're not seeing that, you know what I think the problem is? It's not God. It's not that the word is not true. I don't think we're planting the seed. And our job's not to try to rip out wheat, right? Our job's to tell people the truth and that people can see the wheat is different from the tares. So I'm going to open up the altar tonight if you need to come pray about anything. I know Bob hit a lot, so uh, one of those shotgun messages hit it all. So whatever uh, the Holy Spirit touched in your heart, you need to...